So in my former parish, there's this guy um, who uh, comes from this small town in eastern Montana that just borders Canada. So he was going to uh, leave for the week and go check on his parents who are in their 80s. Um, and so then he comes back and I said, oh, how's your parents doing? And he says, you know, it did not work out well. So I was like, oh, what, what's the problem? So he goes up there and in the morning he wakes up on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning, weekend, uh, comes downstairs and his mother's in the kitchen making breakfast, huge breakfast. And so he says, good morning. And she says, be quiet. You'll wake up the Canadians. Uh, what? And he says, yeah, they're sleeping in the front room. So he goes over and looks in the front room and there's all these young men sleeping in the front room. So he asks the obvious question, mother, why are there Canadians sleeping in the front room? <laughs> okay, so this gets bizarre at this point. You know, this is crazy town. Um, and she says, well, and I love this. Um, they live on the border, but these young men from Canada, they come down to their town to drink and party and um, there's this terrible car accident that really upset his parents. So they went to all the bars and said, listen, if anybody's been drinking and you need a place to stay, we'll leave our front door open. You just come make yourself at home in the front room and we'll feed you a big breakfast, but we don't want you driving. So that's what was going on. And he said to his parents, you know, no, this is not safe. You know, to let everybody in town know that your front door is open, come, you know, you're going to get in trouble one of these days. Now, here's the problem. I don't know if you know this, but once you turn 80, it's like dealing with teenagers again. Um, they think they know everything. And no matter how he argued with his parents, they were not going to stop. And he was like, you can die. And, well, at 80, what do you think is going to happen? Um, but no, they... So he said he got in this huge argument, they refused to stop, but part of me, I, it's logical what he's doing, but part of me, I love that this crazy Montana couple who willing, I don't, they don't even care if anything happens to them, they want to save young men's lives. I mean, how the heck could you not fall in love with that? Or, um, uh, like, I think God blesses them. Or, my mother was visiting here, and my mother, I kind of forget, she's 86, so we're walking down to the lake, we're walking downtown, and I'm walking way too fast, I was being an idiot, and she's behind me, and um, she caught her foot uh, on something and fell, and like got this black eye, you know, her face is covered in blood, and I didn't see it, because I'm in front, but I turn around, and like this amazing part, kind of just out of nowhere, this Hispanic mother who has, it was amazing. She had a baby on one hip, a diaper bag in the other, and two little kids. And she was right on it when my mother fell. Helped pick my mother up, um, wipe, started wiping my mother off. And like, I'm kind of upset, but just was right there for my mother, sat her down. Um, uh, like, and afterwards, even my mother and I were like, how did, how is she able, like with a diaper bag, a baby, and two other kids, able to pick her up? Like, that is a great mother. 
But here's the odd part. Like, we're amazed that she could do all that so quickly. But I am, whoever that woman is, I don't know who she is, but I was praying, God, please bless her for her hospitality. It wasn't her mother. You know what I mean? Like, she was right on it. I hope God blesses her with more life. Or we had this funeral yesterday. Once again, crazy elderly couple. They're a crazy elder Polish couple who I kind of like him because every day of uh, their marriage, even before they got married, he would write her a love note every day. And you know the Polish, they're lovers. Um, and no matter when they would leave, uh, even to go to the store, they would kiss. But at the end of the funeral, um, this woman says, you know, uh, I didn't grow up with uh, parents like them. That they were just wild in their hospitality. They once had this person come unannounced. Um, and what the guy did is cut his steak in half, give half to his wife. Uh, they shared a half a steak and gave the full steak to their guests. And she says, you know, all their life, um, this crazy Polish couple, they would give the shirt off their back. They would give food. They would had a lot of love in their their house and their marriage, and they shared it wildly uh, without a bit of selfishness. And I love these stories, the crazy Montana couple. But I'm telling that story because, think about this, the readings are about hospitality. And how does religion start? What started when, you know, we lost the Garden of Eden, so God wants to restart religion? How did religion get its restart? through this crazy, wild, elderly couple, Abraham and Sarah. That's how. How did monotheism begin? Monotheism began with a meal and care for the stranger. And you have this strange story where Abraham, he's head of the tribe. He's chief of his tribe. So he's like a king. He's at the door of his tent trying to keep cool. And three strangers walk by in the heat of the day. Now in the desert, that's not a good thing. That's when you could die. And Abraham flies into action. This old man flies into action and says to the three people, he, well, first he flies in and then he bows deeply, which technically you should only do to God. And he's the king, a king who's humbling himself. He bows to him and says, come, come inside. Let me give you a little bit of food. Just please, let me give you a little bit of food. Well, he's saving their life because they would have died in the heat. Let me give you a little water. Now, what I want you to think is how Abraham is a figure of Christ. He runs out, cares for the three strangers. And when he addresses the strangers, he calls the three strangers Adonai. And that's singular. He calls them one person, Adonai, which is Lord. Um, and he bows deeply to him. He says, let me give you a little bit of food. Now, you know me. I, I'll be honest. Sometimes I slightly exaggerate. Um, no, it's true. I know it's going to upset you. Um, but so Abraham, he's not exactly really being exact because he says, let me give you a little bit of food. Um, you know what he cooked for him? A whole cow. Like, for three strangers? And this time it's tribalism. You know, he's out, they're outside his tribe. He owes them nothing and he's treating them as superior. Abraham is acting as a servant. The king who acts as a servant cooks a whole cow for him. And even his wife, she's crazy. 
you know, she bakes bread and it's three measures of flour. So like how much is three measures of flour? How much bread is that? 50 pounds of bread for three strangers. She's crazy too. Um, and uh, he washes their feet. So they have this meal and not only a slave is supposed to wash feet, it's Abraham who washes their feet, the king. He's a figure of Christ. So how does religion start? How does monotheism start? With this crazy couple who are excessive, shocking in their hospitality. Um, God wants to be invited into a meal. And if you invite God into a meal, God will offer you a meal. And so in ancient times, there was this law of hospitality. And the law of hospitality is this. This is all through the Bible. If you offer somebody else outside your little circle hospitality, God will grant you greater life. If you refuse to offer hospitality to the stranger, then God will take a, reduce your life. Abraham and Sarah, they offer hospitality to these three strangers who turn out to be angels, representatives of God. And they said, oh, because you offered us life, God will grant you greater life. And in one year, your wife will be pregnant. And Sarah is 91 years old. And secretly, every 91-year-old wants to get pregnant. I mean, <laughs> that not, uh, so like, that's a shocking part. But the real point is this. Um, think about this. Religion doesn't start with this young, powerful couple, right? Where does religion start? With this elderly couple who are excessive in their love and hospitality for people outside their group. They gave birth to religion. And so, ah, the law of hospitality. And Christ is going to teach us the law of hospitality. The idea is that you eat at Christ's table, then we must be even greater than Abraham and Sarah in our hospitality to others. Or, once again, the gospel reading deals with hospitality. But there's a twist. And this is a great twist. So, Abraham, or Jesus comes to Abraham, uh, sorry, to eat with uh, Mary and Martha. Once again, a meal, meal of hospitality, but this one has a twist because Martha, you heard it, is busy with all the details of hospitality. But let me warn you, because I'll jump down your throat after mass if you say this, Martha is not doing housework. Because people always say, it's just unfair. I mean, Martha was washing the windows and she wasn't busy with housework. The Greek is she was busy with di diakonia. What is diakonia? Uh, it's church work. The word deacon, diakonia, she's busy with church work. Um, she is offering Christ hospitality, but she's doing all this church work. Um, but, and Martha, or sorry, Mary, Mary is sitting on her behind, not even helping, sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's not about work. Martha is doing church work. Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and she's learning Torah. Now, for us, that's not a big deal. At the time of Christ, this would have been massively shocking. At the time of Christ, women weren't allowed an education. And the deal is this, in Christ's hospitality, 
Christ is always turning the world upside down. So Christ has, is teaching Mary, giving her an education. Jesus is pro-education for women. But at the time period, there's this uh, very famous saying from a rabbi, better to burn a, the Torah than let a woman touch it. Women shouldn't receive an education. Jesus' hospitality is so radical, he's turning social convention upside down. So the symbol is Martha symbolizes church work and Mary symbolizes, you could say, um, scripture study. And now the point being is that church work is not as good as scripture study. The problem is this, and this is the twist. She is offering hospitality, doing all this work, but she's doing the hospitality because it gives her power. She's doing all this because it's all about her. It's Martha who has the house. It's Martha who has a sister named Mary, not Mary who has a sister named Martha. Martha is doing all this church work so that she gains power. That's why she complains about Mary. Mary's not recognizing her power. And this is gonna shock you. Sometimes people get into religion not to become like Christ, not to be the source of love and hospitality, they get into church work because they want power over other people. Well, that's not true hospitality, is it? So Martha, um, this sounds strange. I went to this one parish once where um, there was a woman there who was kind of active in the parish, not really, but anyhow, um, she said to me, and listen to this, because there's a meaning. She said to me, she said, um, you should know I have a lot of power in this town. <laughs> yeah. That's a threat. Like, I do what she says to do, or there's going to be consequences. Um, that's not real hospitality. You may be doing work, church work, but you're doing it for your own power. Mary, Martha, is telling God what to do. You need to do this. Mary is listening. And by the way, anytime anybody in the Gospels ever complained to Jesus, Jesus never accepts their complaint. She says, aren't you upset that Mary's not doing what I tell her to do? No, I'm not. Mary is offering true hospitality. True hospitality is that you're not doing it for power. You're doing it out of love. What Mary's doing, learning scripture, is out of love. You're doing all this church work for power. So it's not which one's better, church work or scripture study. It depends on what you're doing. Because the gospel bef weekend before... Um, was a good Samaritan, and that's work, right? But in the Gospel of Luke, and this is amazing, it's very subtle. Um, uh, it's a sin in the Gospel of Luke is not where you're weak. Sin is not where you're weak. Sin is where you're strong and you refuse to push the boundaries. So in the good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite, they're very powerful, right? but they only take care of themselves. They don't push the boundaries of love to take care of others. So sin is where you're strong and you refuse to go even deeper in love. Martha, her sin is that, yeah, she's in control, but it's all about her power. Um, that's not true hospitality. That's not being the crazy Montanans. You're doing it for control, not out of love. Um, and so have you ever thought this amazed me. Have you ever thought that you're going to die one day, stand before the judgment of God, and Christ might say to you, um, 
all that stuff you did, you never offered me hospitality. You didn't do it for me. You did it so that you can be in power. So the point being is that, yeah, we want to be even greater than Abraham and Sarah, but if you're doing hospitality for power over other people, you're not doing it for Christ. And in the end, like, uh, religion begins with this crazy elderly people who just love other people, not for power, but out of hospitality. And religion starts that way, and we gather together this morning to once again have a meal of hospitality, the Eucharist. The real source of hospitality is Christ. If we share in his body and blood, then we're even supposed to be greater than Abraham and Sarah. We love people. We offer the shirt off our back and care for people because that's who we are. We're the body of Christ. We love because we love. So there's bad religion and good religion. Bad religion is when you don't offer hospitality. You fake it with a lot of work or whatever. Like, I don't even care. You could use study scripture, and you could use that scripture to beat people over the head. It doesn't, it's not about what type of work you do. It's that you offer hospitality because you just love the stranger. You love other people, not for power. Good religion is when we really offer the world hospitality. If we eat the body and blood of Christ, the source of hospitality, I hope over a lifetime, I'm serious on this, I hope over a lifetime after feeding on the Eucharist, all of us will die as crazy Montanans. <laughs> all we can do uh, is offer the world even greater love. That's true religion.